You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here this morning. We are now um, basically in our second part of our series entitled Jonah. And uh, we're looking at um, the life of Jonah, not his entire life, but a segment of his life. Uh, and we're highlighting uh, his response to God. But the more important message in this series is basically the grace of God, basically his heart of compassion, his heart of mercy, and his love, and that his, his grace and mercy extends not only to a select few, but his grace and mercy and his love extends to all people, okay? And so last week, we, um, last week we looked at... Um, the first chapter of Jonah, when God called Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh, which is um, a city of uh, the empire of Assyria, an enemy of the kingdom of Israel. And Jonah, because of that reality that they were basically almost at war with Assyria, he didn't want to go to Nineveh to preach the gospel or to preach uh, against it as God commanded. So he went instead away from Nineveh to he wanted to be away from the presence of God um, it's interesting that he grew up in the knowledge and the li- in the liturgy of Israel knowing that God is everywhere but he tried to get out of God's presence so that he won't have to obey or he won't have to do what God has called him to do but we all know the story as he went on a boat that was bound for Tarshish which was about 2,500 miles away, God sent a storm to intercept the ship. And with the events of the story, Jonah was found out to be, you know, the one responsible for that. And so the sailors in that ship tossed Jonah overboard. So he was in the sea. And once he was in the sea, the storm stopped. Okay, and so there were no more waves and then we can see that in the lesson in last week's message is this. If we run from God, we run into trouble. And not only ourselves, but when we run from God, we also invite trouble to those around us. Okay, so, but God is a good and gracious God. He can still use the trouble that people face. Uh, and he can, he can use it to reveal himself. And God allows us to go through troubles. Some of our troubles are, are unnecessary because those are consequences of our choices. Those are consequences of our disobedience. But some of our troubles uh, are necessary because it's God who, who sends those troubles in order for us to learn our lesson or to be disciplined and in order for us to be restored to his purpose for our lives. Many of us try to run away from the calling of God, but God uses trouble to intercept us so that we won't run any further from his calling and his purpose because his goal is to bring us back to his purpose so that we can fulfill his purpose for our lives, okay? And um, that's actually an act of mercy. And so after he was thrown overboard, the Bible says God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah up. And we ended there last week. And we're going to pick up the story here in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. And, 
and we'd like to request everyone to please stand up. We're going to read God's Word. We're going to read verse 17 of chapter 1, and then we're going to read a couple of verses here in chapter 2, but we're going to look at chapter 2. And if you notice, the book of Jonah, each chapter is very short. It's a, you know, it's a short book, so you can just actually go through this whole book of Jonah in one reading, like right here. This is the entire book of Jonah, chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Okay, so <laughs> you don't even have to turn the page, so it's just there. So uh, let's go ahead and read from verse 17 of chapter 1. It says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1. Okay, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. And like to jump to verse 10, the last verse in chapter 2, it says there, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word transforms us. Your word, Lord, brings light to our lives. And um, we thank you, God, that your word, Lord, brings us revelation of your plans and purposes, not just for our lives, but for the earth, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that we are part of what you're doing in this world. And Lord, I pray that we would not miss, miss out on what you're doing. And I pray, God, that as we understand, as, as we look at the story of Jonah, Lord, that, Lord, well, we will look at his example and follow the examples that are good and learn from his mistakes so that we won't make the same mistakes in our lives. Lord, we just pray that you would um, lead us and guide us, Lord, as we live our lives for your glory in obedience, and in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all have your seats. The title of our sermon this morning is In Too Deep. Why? Because Jonah, is, as we'll see it, he is he's not just in the ocean, but he is in the belly of a great fish. So that's a very, very dire situation. Now, as I was preparing for this message, you know, Jonah was at the brink of death right there. And... Um, how many of you have had that experience that you, all, you, that you had a brush with death? That you, if things went another way, you could have possibly died? Have you experienced that? Some of us, you know, we just ride roller coasters and we say, I could have died there. You know? <laughs> so, I remember a time during my college days when my buddies and I, we, were, we came from a um, certain, certain place. I think uh, we, were, we attended a party. And so my car was full of people, you know, back in the Philippines, a car of, uh, that's designed for five can fit about seven people. So uh, my car was packed, and um, so I was the one driving, and we were laughing so hard um, during that time. It was in the middle of the night. We're all on our way home, and for some reason, at one intersection, uh, I, I forget the detail now, but all I can remember is this. I saw, I saw like these big, big lights Headed, headed my way to my left. And, and so I stopped, and as I stopped, these lights were headed towards us. 
and towards me. And I was like, that, that, few, that few seconds, maybe less than two seconds, that I saw that thing come towards me, my whole life flashed before me. And I thought I was going to die at that moment. Fortunately, you know, the truck was able to stop right before hitting my car. But he was really making his way fast at the intersection. And I couldn't tell if I violated, uh, if I w went through the traffic light, the red light, or if he did. So all I could remember was that feeling. And then all of a sudden, after that, when the, when the truck stopped, all my strength left me. And I felt like I couldn't drive. So, so I went. You know, I parked the car towards the curb, and I was shaking all over. I couldn't drive. And I was going to ask my friend to drive for me, but as I looked at him, he was shaking as well. <laughs> and none of our other friends knew how to drive. So we stayed there for about 10 minutes just to, to shake it off, shake the shaking off, okay? But I remember that feeling that I'm going to die right here. And at that moment, I couldn't, ex I couldn't uh, explain what I was feeling. I, I, was, I felt fear all of a sudden, and I, at the same time, I felt like I was numb at that time. And many times when we, we, when we have brushes with death, things in our lives come into, it, come into perspective. We realize what's important. We realize the things that, that matter. We reala realize the things that, that we're supposed to value, but we didn't. Have you experienced that? When, when, you know, when you're about to die, all of a sudden, some of the things that you pursued, you realize don't really matter in life. And you come to realize the things that do matter. Okay? And there's that feeling of dread. There's that feeling of clarity at the same time. But at the same time, there's that feeling of uncertainty. It's ironic, isn't it? Feeling of clarity and a feeling of uncertainty at the same time and there's fear and so this is what I believe Jonah was experiencing he faced imminent death you know how many of you have experienced drowning that you drown but it's a good thing you you know somebody saved you or you were able to make it have you experienced it drowning you thought you're gonna die Jonah was thrown overboard and it was in the raging waters and he was there and, and uh, as we will read later on uh, his account here in chapter 2, you'll see that he went down the depths of the ocean and he almost reached the bottom where there were seaweeds there and it was strangling him. It was the seaweeds were around his, around his head and around his neck and he was struggling. So he was going to die, okay? And so if you think about it, would he be in that situation had he obeyed God? Many times we see ourselves in situations we don't want to be in and we realize this is unnecessary because had we obeyed God, then we, we wouldn't be in this situation. Okay, so that's why when we disobey God, when we run away from him and from his call, from his purpose, we run into troubles most of the time. They're unnecessary, but those are consequences of the choices that we make. Okay? How many of you have felt like you've been in a hopeless situation? Or how many of you are in, an, in a hopeless situation? I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to think about this. There will be times when you will be 
put in a situation where it seems like there is no hope. Okay, there is no more hope. And when you are in that situation, you feel like all your strength is taken away, all of your life, you, you know, your it's like your life is taken away from you and there's nothing more that you can give and there's an expectation of dread. And being hopeless is, is uh, you know, it's one of the hardest, hardest places to be, to have those feelings of hopelessness because if you don't have hope, then there's no reason to live, there's no drive for you to live or to accomplish anything or to do anything. Now, let's look at Jonah's predicament here, so he, was, he faced imminent death, okay? And in verse 17, we read, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah up, okay? And he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, okay? Now, this verse, together with verse 10 of chapter 2, when it says the great fish vomited Jonah out, these are two verses in the book of Jonah that's pretty controversial for some people, and it is because of these two verses that they don't believe either the book of Jonah was a real historical um, account. These are two of the verses that they say that they use as the reason that they don't believe the Bible. Okay, now, like I said last week, you know, the historicity of this account is verified by Jesus himself referring to the book of Jonah, the Messiah himself, the way, the truth, and the life himself, affirmed what happened in Jonah's time, and he even used, in Matthew 12, he said, in verse 40, he said that as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man will be, you know, in the belly of the earth for three days. And as Jonah was assigned to Nineveh, the Son of Man will be assigned to this generation, he said. So for Jesus to take this part of Scripture, which people think is fictional, and affirm it as something historical, that tells you already the credibility of the book of Jonah, because Jesus affirmed it, okay? Jesus, our Messiah, our Lord, affirmed this book. So, And a lot of people say, how can a man be in the belly of a fish and survive for three days, a great fish. And so some people say it's a whale, but uh, there's no way in Scripture indicated that it's a whale. It may be, and it may be not. During the time of the original audience of this book, they believe that there, there are great sea creatures and even sea monsters, and there's that, they even, uh, you know, they even hear about this great, sea creature called Leviathan. It's a very huge sea creature. We don't know what it is. And for many of the original hearers of this book, of this prophecy, of the book of Jonah, they probably were thinking of Leviathan. But, you know, the Bible is not, it didn't specifically mention. But the point here is that God is the one who sent the fish to swallow Jonah up. And for him to stay alive in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, that is nothing short of a miracle. That is a miracle itself. As you see in the book of Jonah, this is filled with many supernatural things. 
the fact that Jonah was alive there in the belly of the fish for three days, that was a miraculous, that was a supernatural event. And that's the thing. A lot of people, because they can't fit, they can't explain the things that God does, they don't believe it as real. But that's what, that's what a miracle is all about. Okay? Douglas Stewart, in his Word Biblical Commentary, said this, that a miracle is a divine act beyond human replication or explanation. It's beyond human explanation. If you can explain it away, then it is not a miracle. A miracle is supernatural. When you can explain it, it is natural. It's in the bounds of nature. And if it's in the bounds of nature, it can be explained. But if it's supernatural, when you say supernatural, it's above the natural. It's beyond the natural. Beyond what the natural can explain, that is what a miracle is. And God is a God of miracles. He's the creator of everything. He's the creator of the universe. And he created order. And he has the capacity to suspend that order and intervene in the affairs of men. And when he does so, it's supernatural. And those are miracles. And this is a miracle that happened here. Okay, So these verses are supernatural in nature. Now, let's look at this verse again, verse 17. It says there, the Lord appointed, in the ESV, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, uh, it says here, appointed, in the New International Version of the Bible, it says there, the Lord provided. Let's read it that way. The Lord provided a great fish to swallow up Jonah. You see, the fish that swallowed Jonah was God's provision. Like what I said last week, the Lord will provide what we need, not just what we want. He will provide everything we need. And if we need discipline, He will make provision for it. Are you tracking here with me? Okay. How many of you have uh, children and you know your, ch your children need discipline? And you will not withhold discipline from them. You will give them the discipline they need. Right? And that is... An act of love. When you discipline your children, you are acting in love. And that's what God the Father is, is doing here. You see, before I get ahead of myself here, it says, appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And in our lives, God allows things, certain situations to swallow us up because of our disobedience. And that is to teach us a lesson. He allows us to go through some pain and some suffering to teach us a lesson. Okay? And he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, imagine you're drowning and you're almost at the bottom of the ocean, bottom of the Mediterranean Sea for that matter. Okay? So, and there were seaweeds, okay, um, strangling you. Your death is imminent. And then as you're waiting for your moment to die, you see a dark figure circling around you, and then it's becoming bigger and bigger, and all of a sudden, you see it come to you. You don't know what it is, and you're dying, and you don't know what it is, and all of a sudden, there's a violent, you know, you're, you're taken away from, this, from the seaweed, and, you know, and then it's like you're going into this small tube, 
It's slimy tube, and everything is pitch black. Imagine, it's pitch black, it's slimy, it may not smell nice, and you're like this probably. And then, inside you sense that you're being squeezed like this, and there's some things that you know that's rancid, as you know, you know, the digestive juice is there. Imagine, is there any more worse place you can be <laughs> than that? How many of you know that situation caught Jonah's attention? <laughs> that situation, God used that situation to get Jonah's attention. Many times, we reason out when God tells us to do something. We reason out and we still do what we want. And then we end up in trouble. And he allows us to suffer the consequences of our disobedience. And we're in pain. But it's then that we see the folly of our choices many times. When we suffer. Jonah thought he could run away from God. How many of you think that you could run away from God? When he calls you to do something and you don't want to do it, you run away. You don't attend church anymore. You don't uh, attend the, the victory group anymore. You don't read your Bible anymore. You don't pray anymore. You think that you have something good going for you, better than what God is calling you to be or to do. And you've got it going. Wow, this is really great. I don't really need that, God. Guess what? You're waiting to be thrown overboard. You are waiting to be in a place where you're going to drown, and you're waiting to be swallowed up. It's just a matter of time. God is gracious to tell us, turn back. Turn back. But if we don't heed that call to turn back, then the thing that God will allow to swallow you up would be imminent. It's just a matter of time. Are you here with me? So disobedience is costly. It may cost you to obey God, but disobedience will cost you a lot more. And it's interesting that in the belly of the fish, it's a desperate place. Can you imagine? Imagine yourself, you're Jonah. You're in the belly of that fish. And in some, um, some art you know, uh, renderings of Jonah in the fish, he, he was in this huge cavern that is the, the belly of the fish. And he was like there. But here, I believe it's, he was squished in. That would be a hopeless situation. Now, how many of you are claustrophobic? Imagine you're there and, and there's no light at all. Some of us are in that situation right now. You've allowed yourself to be swallowed up by something. And now, look at this. That's, that's a desperate place. There's nowhere else to go. You're hopeless. You don't have any hope now. You've hit rock bottom. It's the end of the road. Any moment now, you're going to die. I was going to die there in the ocean. And now something worse came. How many of you would rather die drowning than being swallowed and eaten alive and buried alive and die, die slowly inside? You want to die slowly? <laughs> Pastor Neil, that's, this is a morbid message. <laughs> it is only morbid when we persist. In our disobedience. But it's interesting. God provided the great fish. That was his provision for Jonah. What in the world 
with the biblical writers or Jonah. Why would Jonah say that was God's provision for him? Who in his right mind would say that was a provision from God? You know who would say that? Only those who have a revelation of God in his life. Revelation of God's purpose in his life. You see, if you don't have a revelation of God and the things that he does, even the provisions of God to help you, you will despise them. But here's what happened to Jonah in the belly of the great fish. R.T. Kendall, one, uh, a famous author, said this, The belly of the fish is not a happy place to live. Would you agree with that? <laughs> but it is a good place to learn. God kept Jonah alive three days and three nights. How many of you can stand being, have you experienced being trapped in an elevator for a few seconds? You know, they're, you know, you're in an elevator and all of a sudden power goes out and then the elevator stops and no matter what you do, nothing happens. And you go, ah! How many of you experienced that? Have you experienced that? You haven't experienced that before? You haven't? Okay, there you go. We have a few. I know of a few people who experienced that and because of that, they're, traumatized every time they they go into an elevator they're like they're paranoid they don't want to experience that again imagine you're being squished in and so and then God keeps you supernaturally alive for three days and three nights in that thing what could be going on in your mind you see God was gracious to Jonah to teach him a valuable lesson because he was so disobedient it had to take a great fish to swallow him up for him to see the folly of his ways. Do you want to wait for something bad to really swallow you up before you learn your lesson? Obedience to God will cost you, but disobedience will cost you a lot more. More than what you're willing to pay for. So Jonah learned his lesson there. And three days and three nights, he was contemplating about probably his, his disobedience. And he, he was having moments of clarity. And he was having moments of revelation. And then all of a sudden, he realized what was more important. And so Jonah responded to God. He stopped running away from God at that moment. How can you run away? So Jonah responded to God. And here's his response. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. In your darkest moment, in your darkest, deepest trouble, the only way for you to be delivered many times is just for you to cry out to God. There's nothing else that can save you, nothing else can deliver you but God alone. And you have to cry out to him. It says there in verse 2, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. In the NIV, it says there, I cried out to the Lord in your trouble, in your distress. And this whole verse, chapter 2, verses uh, 2 to 9, this basically records Jonah's prayer, which is a prayer of thanksgiving. If you read it, you'll notice it's a prayer of thanksgiving. In the belly of the whale, he was giving thanks to God. How many of us can give thanks to God in your 
in your belly of the fish situation, in your deepest trouble, how can, can you give praise and thanksgiving to God? Or will you complain? Jonah had that clarity. He could complain. He's been complaining. That's why he disobeyed. He stopped complaining. He realized that God was the one doing this all along. And that is not to spite him, but to give him a second chance. Okay? And it says there, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, cried out. He said that in NLT. And he says, I called to you from the land of the dead. So basically, he was recounting his experience as he was already giving thanks to God. He was recounting his experience of how he came to this conclusion of this revelation. And now that he's giving thanks to God for. He was recounting, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. That's a good thing about God. When you cry out to him in your trouble, he answers you. I called to you from the land of the dead. He was speaking basically of the fact that he's already going to die. He considered himself dead already, but he call, yet he called on to the Lord, and the Lord heard him. You see, you may think that there's no more hope for you. Cry out to God. The main point of this sermon is this. When you are down and out, cry out. Cry out to God. Because that's your only hope. Not your ability, not your pedigree, not your achievements, not your knowledge, not your skills, not your connections with people, you know, not your money, not your reputation. Only God can redeem you, can take you out of your darkest troubles. As we read, as we continue on with, with his prayer, we didn't read this, but we're going to read it now. In verse 3, this is part of his prayer. Verses 3 and 4 basically speaks of his experience on how he came to know that this is what God was doing to him. It was God who all along who orchestrated everything he's gone through. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. He was saying this to God. Now, recall, who threw him overboard? It was the sailors. It was the mariners, right? The crew of the boat. But in clarity, he, he, he had a revelation. It was not just the crew of the boat that threw him. It was God using them to throw him overboard. That was his revelation. I'm here. You threw me out. That was an act of your mercy. I was running away, and you intercepted me. And for that to happen, I had to be thrown out. You used those men to throw me out. But he was acknowledging, you cast me into the deep. He was not accusing God. He was stating this as a fact out of a revelation. He said, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All, look at this, all your waves and your billows passed over me. So he was saying, God, see all those waves that crashed over me, that made me tumble, and all your billows that caused me to go down into the depths of the, of, uh, the sea, you were orchestrating those things. Now, was God trying to kill no Jonah? He was at the throes of death. 
many times because of people's stubbornness and their, their disobedient hearts, God allows them to come face to face. God allows them to be at the doorstep of death for them to be jolted. So he understood that it was God who was doing this. And as God was doing this, here's his revelation. Then I said, I am driven away from you, from your sight. He acknowledged that he's far away from God. He's driven away. Not by God, but he allowed himself to be driven away. Yet, here's the moment of clarity. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Now, you'll see this again in in a few verses later. But this term of looking upon your holy temple, it's not, he didn't look towards Jerusalem, towards the temple and pray. It's It's a figure of speech saying that I have turned to you. You dwell in your holy temple, and now I've turned to you. I again look upon your temple. Again, I look to you, God. Before, I used to look to you, but I disobeyed. I ran away. Now I realize my folly. Now I turn to you once more. A lot of us need to experience that, that we need. Some of us need a turning back to God. Many times we think that the situations we have, oh, we can handle this. I don't need God right now. Oh, please pray for me, but I can do this. What we need is for us to turn back to God. We need to realize how we've turned away. Verses 5 through 7. Continue on with this prayer. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. Again, these were seaweeds, okay? Weeds were wrapped about my head. He was in, you know, he was under the sea. And weeds were wrapped about his head. At the roots of the mountains below the sea, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. In other words, he sunk down towards the bottom of the sea. And yet, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And here is a revelation. He realized that it's not a pleasant thing to be in the belly of that fish. But if the fish didn't come, what do you think is going to happen? Naturally, to Jonah. He was going to die. And God provided the fish both to save his life keep him alive, and to teach him a lesson. Isn't God amazing? Sometimes God will send a provision that you don't like, but you need it to keep you alive and to teach you a lesson. And three days and three nights, Jonah was in school. (laughs) God put him to school there. And there's nothing like having a revelation of who God is. No seminary, no Sunday preaching here, no victory group message there. Nothing can teach you the ways of God other than going through a deep trouble yourself and learning who God is at that time. He recognized that God brought him, brought brought up his life from the pit. And here he said again in his prayer, when my life was fainting, Away I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you, 
into your holy temple. In other words, that's another figure, figurative way of saying my prayers reached you. You see, from the depths of your despair, when you cry out to God, God will hear you in the heights of hope. Even in the depths of despair, you can have hope in God. That's how great God is, and that's how merciful God. Did Jonah deserve this? No. No. But God was gracious to him anyway. Let me ask you something. How many of you are blessed by God? You, you can tell that God has blessed you. Do you deserve that blessing? You don't. <laughs> can we just be clear in that? Do you think God blessed you because you deserved it? No, we don't. We are undeserving. None of us deserve his blessing. But why are we blessed? Because he is gracious to us. How many times have you messed up? How many times have I messed up? A lot of times. And I mess up bad. You mess up bad, right? Oh, my wife's going to correct me. You mess up badly. <laughs> and yet, even in our undeserving ways, God gives us grace, shows us mercy, gives us what we don't deserve, and he showers us with his love, and he restores us to our purpose. That's how amazing God is. That's how you can't say, see, I did this. That's the reason why God's blessing me. He I did this, I did that. There's nothing you can, we can do. And the things that we do for God, those are not to merit his grace. The things we do for God is a thank you for his grace that he's given to us in spite of us. And here, again, in his prayers, Jonah was saying, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. He realized, yes, idolaters, another version, I think the NIV says this, those who basically, those who hold on to worthless idols forsake the grace that could be theirs. Those who hold on to worthless idols forsake the grace that could be theirs. And Jonah knew that the Ninevites, the Assyrians, were idolaters. But he also understood that in his disobedience, he was in idolatry. Because he put in his heart what he wanted, his bias, more than God. And that's why he realized that I can be cut off from the grace of God. And so he repented. But with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. How do we respond when we are in our deepest troubles? Number one, thanksgiving. Because even in your deepest troubles, God is good to you. Secondly, sacrifice. Meaning I lay down. I surrender myself. Not sacrifice the most important thing. You sacrifice yourself. Be a living sacrifice. You offer yourself to God. Thirdly, obedience. What I have vowed, I will pay. What I've said, I will do. As a prophet, he is, he is vowed and he is obligated to speak the word of God. He is obligated to obey. And he has vowed to obey. And that's what he's saying. He is affirming that. With thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. I will give you what I have vowed. Thanksgiving, how do we respond in our deepest troubles? Thanksgiving, 
sacrifice, obedience. And see, as Jonah is now back, his heart is now back with God. God has worked in his heart, in his life, and now he is responding to God now in the belly of the fish. He is not delivered yet, and he's, but he's thanking God already that the fact that he's still alive, there's still hope. And here came his deliverance. Verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Now, you've been there inside that thing for three days and three nights, and now it vomits you out. How many of you like touching your vomit? You don't want to touch your vomit, right? Do you want to touch somebody else's vomit? How about being covered by it? <laughs> See, Jonah was vomited by the fish, and he was vomited back onto the shores, onto the dry land. I don't know, maybe I'm just being imaginative here. He was vomited in the dry land. Probably the, the great fish went like this, <coughs> and he was like flying, woo, landed upon dry land. I'm just, I'm just imagining things, okay? <laughs> he was probably vomited near the shore or on the shore, and guess what? He was placed back in the very coast where he left. And chapter 3, God spoke to him a second time. The same thing God said to him the first time. Go to Nineveh and preach against the city. So God gave him a second chance. But that's going to be for next week. Okay? So I'd like to wind this down. You see, God was merciful to Jonah and delivered him so he could fulfill his mission, even in spite of his disobedience. Now, now there's a, as we wind this down, there's a story. There's something that happened in 1927. How many of you are alive in 1927 already? Nobody's raising their hand. Okay, so good. The USS S-4 sank because it, you know, during its, one of its routine exercises, it was, it was emerging from under the water, but during that time, the radar systems were not, that, were not at par yet. So when it emerged out of the water, the Coast Guard destroyer ship, you know, ran over it. And so the submarine sank because the destroyer kind of like rammed over it. And so it sinks. And it's, it, this was in, uh, the, off the coast of uh, near Cape Cod in Massachusetts. 1927. And so the Coast Guard, realizing what happened, they sent, um, you know, boats and then they radioed. So, uh, you know, a, a massive rescue effort was conducted, you know, to save. And they found out there were six survivors there. People had died once, once that the, the hull was ruptured. People died because the water came in. But in, in the place where the torpedoes were, in, uh, I don't know what you call that, that where the torpedoes go, that area, it's locked in, and there were six survivors there. They locked themselves in. And they couldn't communicate with anyone there, but they communicated through Morse code by tapping on the hull of the ship. How many of you know how to do Morse code? So, probably, that's SOS. So they were communicating, and so, and so here, uh, let me, another, another item here. So, and... Uh, it was hit by a U.S. Coast Guard destroyer. And then, 
as rescue efforts were made, weather conditions prevented them, you know, the rescuers from doing the rescue because of the icy cold water and everything. So all they could do was communicate. Send divers there and communicate. And so we're, we're, we're trying everything we can through Morse code by tapping on the hull. But they understood that those six survivors only had, you know, just a short time before their oxygen would run out. And here, see, last oxygen bottle exhausted by men in sunken S4. Sister ship picks up a call for air. Wind and icy seas block diving and hamper rescuers. So they couldn't rescue them. And as those inside were waiting to be rescued, the last message they, the divers heard from them as they were running out of oxygen inside was this in Morse code. Is there any hope? Sadly, they were not rescued and the six survivors perished eventually. Running out of oxygen, they all perished there inside. Later on, the Navy were able to salvage the ship and bring it back to, like, uh, to a port. And uh, they repaired it and they recommissioned it. But that's a story. Is there any hope? And many times you may feel like you're trapped inside a sinking ship and you're about to run out of air. You're about, your time is almost up. And you wonder, is there hope? There is hope. With man, there is no hope. But with God, nothing is impossible. With God, everything is possible. You put your hope in man, there will be no hope. You put your hope in God, there is hope. A few lessons I'd like to give you as we wrap up this sermon is this. Even in our deepest troubles, the Lord pursues us. Even in our troubles of disobedience, caused by our disobedience, the Lord is pursuing us with his grace, with his love, and his mercy. He's not giving up on us. You may think that you're in a dire circumstance. Don't blame God. You're there because of your disobedience. But be thankful God is there still waiting for you to respond. Second lesson as we look at this story. In your deepest troubles... Give thanks to God. In spite of what you're going through, in spite of the pain, give thanks. The Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances. Understand, you need to give thanks because even if the situation is going against you, realize what Romans 8.28 says. God works all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Regardless of what you're going through right now, God can take that and turn it around. What the enemy has meant for evil, God can turn it around for your good so that that test will be your testimony later. Okay? In your deepest troubles, give thanks to God. Thirdly, God answers prayers not because we are good, but because He is good. He doesn't answer prayers because we are good. We deserve it. He answers prayers because He is good. So ask away. You know, as Jonah was swallowed up by, it was, he, he was engulfed by the sea and he was swallowed up by the great fish. There's something greater than those two things that seek to swallow us. It's called sin. 
and the sting of sin is death. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And death has a hold over every sinner. And the Bible says, all of us have sinned. In other words, we are in that belly of that great fish called sin. And we're about to die. And there's no hope. Sin seeks to swallow us. Death seeks to swallow those who are in sin. That's the bad news. The bad news is we don't, we're, there's nothing we can do. Not, no amount of being, no amount of religiosity, no amount of good works can take us out of that death grip of sin. The good news is that Jesus has won the victory for us. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. The thing that desires to swallow us and bring us to the place of eternal damnation, that thing is swallowed up itself in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have victory over sin, the thing that desires to swallow us. Because Jesus has defeated sin and death through his sacrifice on the cross. So the only one who can save us is Jesus Christ. He can save us from our circumstances. But more importantly, he can save us from our eternal problem. He can save us from our sins. I'd like to end with this one. With, without God, man has a hopeless end. But with God, man has an endless hope. Let's learn from the life of Jonah. Let's learn that God is gracious toward us. Amen? We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway. Because he is good. He is merciful, and he loves us. We are significant to him. Amen? Let's all stand right now as we end. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you, God, that we don't have to try to clean up our lives before we come to you. Lord, reality is we can never, ever clean up our lives, not one bit. What we need is a Savior. We need one who will save us and who will cleanse us from our sins. Lord, today, some of us may be in the belly of that great fish. Maybe it's a situation. We're in that situation because of our disobedience. And right now, we're having a moment of clarity. We understand that everything that's been happening, even up to now, all the struggles, all the pain, all the hurt, all, all those things that are going through right now, these are direct results of my disobedience. And today, Lord, you've allowed those things to happen to open my eyes to my need of you. If that's you, just lift up your hand. I'd like to pray for you. Saying, Pastor Neil, I realize today I'm in the belly of a fish. I'm in that situation because of my own doing. And God is gracious enough to open my eyes, to use 
my, the pain that I'm experiencing right now to open my eyes to his reality, to his love, and to his mercy, and to my need of him. And today I respond, just like Jonah responded. I respond to him by putting my trust in him, by thanking him that even in spite of my disobedience, even in spite of my sin, he is gracious to me. And Lord, we give our, ourselves to you, Lord. We turn to you today. That you just continue to lift up your hand. I want to pray for you, Lord. Those of you lifting up your hands, just repent. Lord, I repent of going my own way. And I turn to you. And I ask that you would deliver me from this situation. But Lord, I give thanks to you even before your deliverance. Before you deliver me, Lord, I already give thanks to you. I give you praise even now. Lord, thank you that you're delivering me as I turn to you. As I put my faith in you alone. And as I commit to obey you. Maybe there's some of you here today that you're in that belly, you're in the belly of the fish called sin, and you're dying eternally. And there's nothing else you could do. There's no hope. But with God, there's hope. And that hope is found in Christ Jesus. Only by putting your faith in Him and what He has done at the cross, by he died for you. He died for your sin. He paid for your sins. He took your death. And he defeated sin and death. And he rose again from the, from the grave. Proclaiming his, liberty, his, his, his victory over our greatest enemy. Enemies of sin and death. And today Jesus is our victor. And he is, his victory has swallowed up our enemies. And if you put your faith in him. He will save you from your sins. He will save you from eternal death. And He will save you from the consequences, the eternal consequences of sin, which is eternal separation from Him. Today, He can save your soul. And if that's you, you're saying, Pastor Neil, I want to repent of my sin. I want to put my trust in Christ alone. Only He can deliver me. Only He can set me free from my bondage to sin. And today, I surrender my life to Him. I repent of my sin. And I put my faith in him and what he has done. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? If you pray that prayer, I want to pray with you. Anybody at all in this place? Praise God. Let's pray. Let's pray together right now. Father, thank you for sending your one and only Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus. Lord, today we put our faith in him, not just for our circumstances, but for our eternity. And Lord, right now. As we put our faith in Him, we receive Your forgiveness. We receive Your gift of eternal life. And today, we receive Your victory. No matter what we go through, Lord, we know that with You, we have an endless hope. And we will never be shaken because of this hope. This hope is secure and this hope is sure. And this hope is in you. And Jesus, we enthrone you with, with our lives. We enthrone you with our praises. And we surrender all to you. Because you deserve our all. Be honored as we live for you. As we give you thanks every day. As we put our faith in you. And as we live to obey you. Lord, be honored as we offer ourselves to you. On a daily basis. And may you be glorified. 
with the choices that we make. Lord, we pray all these in Jesus' name.